Welcome to the Governance Freffy podcast, brought to you in conjunction with the Skills and Education Group. I'm delighted that you can join myself, Fiona Chalk, as I discuss with Gary Headland the importance of training and development at board level. Gary was appointed as the CEO of Activate Learning, a member of Activate Learning Education Trust on 1st April 2022. Prior to this appointment, Gary was CEO of the Lincoln College Group for seven and a half years. Gary holds voluntary offices as Deputy Lord Lieutenant of the County of Lincolnshire, President of the Royal British Legion in Lincolnshire and Chair of the Lincolnshire Chamber of Commerce. He is also a non-executive director and chair of a Midlands-based cybersecurity company called CryptoCloud. Prior to joining the education sector, Gary was a director of Northgate Public Services for three and a half years, a director of Norfolk Constabulary for over two and a half years, and a senior Royal Air Force officer for 23 years, serving in locations throughout the UK and overseas in Germany, Italy and the Middle East. Gary has underpinned his public and private sector career spanning over 35 years with high quality education and training. He holds an MA from King's College London and an MBA from the Open University Business School. Gary is currently a Fellow of the Institute of Directors and qualified previously as a Fellow of both the Chartered Institute of Personnel and Development and the Chartered Management Institute. So welcome, Gary. Well, Fiona, thanks very much indeed. I I, I all of a sudden feel very old uh, having just uh, listened to that introduction. It was very very kind of you. I I wonder if you might just indulge me for a moment um, because it's uh, something I'm very very pleased with, which is very recently I was appointed as a chartered director of the Institute of Directors just last week, in fact, Um, so early, early June. So I was absolutely delighted about that. Congratulations. That's great news. And I'm really keen to hear from you, Gary. Um, what inspired you to complete the board director training? Yeah, I think um, my my whole career, really, I've, I've been learning uh, new roles, new environments, new contexts. I've worked in four different sectors. Um, so in the defence sector, in the criminal justice sector, in the private sector, in a global software uh, setting and and now in the education sector and that you know there's a common theme through all of that of which is leadership and and with leadership is is governance um, and I've liked uh, throughout my career as as the introduction uh, showed uh, to underpin uh, the work that I do with with high quality education and, and training so uh, you know the more senior roles I've taken on uh, the, the the closer to governance uh, I've been. So you know, for the last seven and a half years, I was um, you know, part of the board as well as reporting to the board. And so I wanted to build my knowledge, uh, my skills and, and my mindset um, at the governance level. And so um, undertaking uh, high quality training was was the answer. So, so there are many benefits then to, to governor, trustee, director development. You know, it keeps the organising safe, it builds trust, increases innovation, improves performance, it develops the board as a team, maximises effectiveness, etc. All of those things. And I wondered what you'd seen firsthand to be the benefit for board members undertaking board development. Uh, all of what you've just described, really, I, I think um, you build a common language. I think that's important. So when the board undertakes uh, training together, um, language that one might have learned uh, individually and and contextualised alone, um, actually, when you're you're working it through with board colleagues, 
you know, one person's interpretation varies for another. So you end up with, I guess, a synchronization, uh, a standard use of currency, of language. Um, I think that's really, really powerful. So a shared understanding. Because, uh, you know, some of this is quite complex. It is at times like learning a new a new language. Um, so I think to learn together it, it is powerful. I think you also need to, uh, as a board, you, you, you need to develop trust and confidence, especially where you have executives and non-executives. You know, executives very close to the business. The non-executives, you know, have to work pretty hard to gain the same level of knowledge and understanding of, of the business. And so development together uh, allows the, the building of, of trust and confidence between all of the directors when we understand that there's no differentiation in law between uh, a director and a non-executive director. And it's just building that that sense of team spirit. We're in it together. You know, we're bound by, you know, um, uh, collective responsibility. And it, and it just builds that that feeling among the team. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, you know, alignment across um, both the board and the management is really crucial. And we know now that alignment comes before effectiveness. So I completely understand that. You know, I believe all organisations deserve an effective board and all organisations deserve a board worthy executive team. Is there a role for development of the executive as part of building effective governance? You know, how to interact with the board, increasing understanding of the function of governance? Yeah, absolutely. And um, I guess if I reflect on my journey uh, through you know, you know various layers of the executive into um, chief exec, um, you know, quite often people undertake no formal training. Um, and yet it is an important uh, area of knowledge we need to build as, as senior people. Um, you know, we need to build our skills to operate at board level. Um, and also our mindset, what it means to be in the room as a part of a board with, you know, uh, joint accountability as opposed to running an executive portfolio. Um, and, and you know, in an area where we're often specialists and so we know the portfolio re- really, really well. So I think uh, it is really important for the executive as part of their development to understand uh, the role of the board, uh, the role, the responsibilities and also you know, the board's role in building strategy, in leadership, um, in finance, uh, etc. And it, so it's a rounding for executives, really. Um, I think of it as sort of horizontals and verticals. When executives come into the room, they, they, they leave their portfolio at the door, really, and they become a, sort of the portfolio being vertical, and they become a horizontal in the sense that they're part now of the team that is looking after the whole organization. And that does take uh, the building of knowledge. So I I think, you know, the board, when I uh, talk about the board, I mean all of the directors, executive and non-executive. I don't differentiate between the two in terms of board development. And so then... For the governors, we talk a lot about their role. Um, so this is the independent governors as being the critical friend to the executive. You know, this requirement for support and challenge of the executive, it's often a focus of development. What do you think some of the key elements are to balancing that rigour of challenge and support? Um, that's, that's a really good question. I, I've had... Um... I've had exposure to some absolutely fabulous governors over the last few years. Um, 
and you know those that have worked themselves at a senior level in an organization a senior director or or a ceo um are often the very very best because they 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 understand full well uh the difference between support and challenge both are are necessary um and and often where you see a young uh, a young board i don't mean as in age but as in the maturity of the board itself how long it's been formed how long the board have been working together often there is an emphasis on the sort of compliance end um you know in terms of you know check and challenge uh, to make sure the organization is compliant with the relevant uh, law and codes of practice, et cetera. So, um, I, I mean, for me, both, both elements are incredibly important. And, you know, uh, executive teams are, are wrestling with huge challenges and have been for a very long time. Um, and, you, you know, if it were only a compliance culture, it would feel uh, quite, quite a challenging uh, place. So, you know, it's when... It's when things get difficult um, that that I think the support element is is just as important. Um, that's not to diminish the importance of uh, thorough and rigorous uh, dialogue and debate, so that issues and risks are properly understood. But actually, a recognition that we're all human beings, um, and that you know, support, advice, encouragement, especially where. You know the the independent governors are, are highly experienced, as is often the case across FE. You know, highly experienced people wanting to give back to their communities. You know, they they can give back not only the compliance and understanding of of finances and performance management and risk management, etc., but also uh, mentoring uh, and and support. So it's a question of hats and just about being clear, you know, about the hat we're wearing at the time. Um, and there's a time and a place, I think, for for, for both. Does that answer the question? I think it does. Yeah, it does, um, Gary. Absolutely. I mean, we, we know now it's a it's a requirement of colleges funding agreements for boards to detail the training and development that they've undertaken in year. Um, and we've spoken just now about sort of the support, challenge, and encouragement um, that governors need to give. Are there any other key areas of knowledge or skills that you think governors should develop when they join a board in the FE and skills sector? Is there a piece around context, for example? Yeah, it's a it's it's quite a challenge, isn't it? Um, whether it's FE or indeed a non-executive in any particular sector coming into into an organisation. Um, you've got to learn the organisation uh, pretty quickly, and uh, you know from the outside, uh, the education sector almost feels rather simplistic. And it's not until you, you get into it, whether that's schools, further education, or universities, you realise just how complex uh, it all is. You know the funding arrangements for for the further education sector for many new governors are bewildering. Um, so immersion into you know the sector initially properly understanding you know policy um, um so the national vision for education the pot how that plays out in policy terms how that's applied locally you know that's that's all important knowledge um that one uh, has to ensure that the um governors pick up very very quickly um otherwise you know the the board setting is bewildering and, and it, it can take an awful long time Otherwise, for, for governors to get up to speed and to be able to add value and also to feel that they're adding value, that second bit being really important. 
you, you know, there's nothing worse than being in a room thinking, I'm not sure what's going on here. And, you know, you leave the meeting. I dare say most of us have been there at some stage in our career. Uh, and you leave the meeting thinking, I really didn't add value there today. You know, that's not self-actualizing. And, and you know, these people give their time freely um, um, to, to support uh, colleges in their endeavors locally. So, um you, you know, self-actualization is 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 the very uh, least that we can hope to provide to people in return for you know huge amounts of time that they give uh, willingly and freely to the organisation. So I think that you know back to your question, uh, um, providing knowledge, context, insight from the strategic to the local is is really important, um, and then connecting uh, new governors into the organisation, meeting people. Um, you know, really uh, ensuring unfettered access, making sure that uh, governors can really engage with people in diagonals right across the organisation uh, to get to feel the culture uh, of the organisation, you know, without the, the CEO or the principal looking over their shoulder. Um, and that's back to the trust point, really, um, that we, we referred to earlier in, in, in the interview. Um, and then, of course, there are other skills I think that, that, that the governors bring around, you know, especially those that come in from senior leadership roles in organisations themselves, you know, around risk management, um, risk and issue management, around uh, financial management, et cetera. You're, you're hugely transferable and they just really need to be um, engaged in the processes that the colleges use. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I agree, having sat as a, a governor and a trustee on boards that, you know, particularly in the early days, you do have a tendency to sit there and think, am I adding the value that they thought I would add um, when they appointed me to this position? So I absolutely take that um, point to heart. I mean, governors are usually fairly clear about their role when they're set around the board table. You know, it's scrutiny, as you said, oversight, strategic development. I mean, in my view, when governor's role when they're not in the boardroom um, is that it should be externally focused, you know, to make visible and known the work of the college or the organisation through all their spheres of influence and be listening for the talent and resources that those that they engage with have and how those talents and resources can help the organisation achieve its strategic objectives. So that sort of ambassadorial role, I think, is really important for the organisation. And I wondered what your view was um, for the role of governors outside of the boardroom. I, I couldn't agree more with you, uh, Fiona. The, um, you know, if we look at the principles of being a, a director and in this sense, a, a governor, you, you know, one of the key principles is to represent the organisation. Um, I think quite often when we're appointed to a board, our minds are are kind of brought into the boardroom setting and that's it's an important function you know don't get me wrong compliance is is incredibly important ensuring proper management of risk proper financial management um uh, proper pr procedures and policies in place for the organization but for me that that's probably 20 or 25 percent of the time and 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 I you know, to your point, I think the real value is that, uh, especially for FE colleges, the people uh, are invariably drawn from the communities we serve, um, and are you know are great communicators in in those communities. So, kind of to think of them locked in a boardroom setting is is is, is kind of wasteful and and 
uh, a real a real shame. I've worked. I've had the great privilege of working with three tremendous sh- uh, chairs over the last uh, nearly eight years now uh, in in two different organisations, and and all three of them I would describe as being the very best business development assets of the organisation. You know, they know the local environment. They they invariably are well plugged into the business com- community and the wider public sector. Um, quite often also into the sort of social networking across the community through a variety of different community groups. Um, and, you know, our, our fabulous ambassadors uh, for, for the organisation. In fact, I, I, I often joke, you know, every week I meet with my uh, new chair at Activate Learning and there is, a, a, you know, a, a new stakeholder or two or three many weeks um, that she's connecting with me with, having already had a conversation about why a connection would be valuable. So that external facing role for all of the governors, incredibly important. Um, so, yeah, I agree with you 100 percent. Yeah, so it's about those that sort of sat around the table, understanding who their stakeholders are, what they want, and how that's changing over time, and then bringing that back into inform the discussions and the decision making in the boardroom. I mean, well, you've already um, referenced sort of risk management. And as a board, you can have all the best governance practices. As you say, you can comply and abide by all the codes. But how the board engages in strategy is crucial. And with strategy, I would include risk. So is risk management an area that you think is increasingly important for the development of governors, particularly giving emerging risks such as cybersecurity, environmental issues, etc.? Yeah, I think it's I think it's always been important the, the the nature of risks is changing. You know, in the fourth industrial revolution, which has really been you know, accelerated by by uh, COVID over the last two, two years or so. Um, I, I think the nature of risks has changed. The, the, the need for the board to understand emerging risks and live issues and to manage them has has always been there. So I don't. I, I'm not sure the management is any more or less in, in, important, but I think the nature of risks has has certainly uh, changed. I think remote working. You, you know, um, we were forced to adopt new ways of working because of of COVID, and now the financial challenges facing you know large parts of the country. Um, are causing decision making around, you know, reducing costs of infrastructure, utilities, uh, travel. Um, there's another driver to reduce some of those things, which is, of course, the sustainability driver, which is incredibly important. These are really complex issues, and it's hard to be an expert um, in all of them. Most of us have a, a fairly general knowledge of of cyber, uh, the cyber space, of of uh, technological change of um uh, you know the rapid rate of change around sustainability and then of course the wider policy and funding uh wrapper so i think it, it has got really quite complex uh in in this space I, th- I think that answers the question it's the nature of risks that i think has changed um i think what people often talk about risk and i've seen this in lots of different board settings as risk as as the threats uh, I suppose it's the nature of the word risk. It takes us to the, the, the sort of darker space, the things that could happen to us that would cause us harm. But I always think of threat risks as opportunities and threats. And, uh, you know, I, I think it's an area where boards 
could could develop certainly boards i've i've worked with for for a long a long time or observed where we spend you know most of our time focusing on the things that can hurt the organization for understandable reasons um and you know we need to invest as much time in looking at the opportunity risks uh, and bringing those to fruition because you know from from every crisis comes opportunity so sustainability as a as you know a global crisis creates opportunities for organizations to do things to invest um invest in the health of the organization and also in the health of the people yeah, absolutely. And I think we've kind of sort of covered in there the, the three key roles of governors, really, which is to direct the organisation, to protect the organisation and to enable the work of the organisation. You referenced finances and obviously in the FE sector, you know, plenty of colleges are struggling financially. And many would say perhaps that board member development is low on the list of where money should be spent. It's a, a luxury, not a necessity. What would you say to that? Yeah, I, I, I fundamentally do not uh, agree with that. Um, development in governors, um, in leaders and in uh, all staff across the organisation is, is essential. For, for me, it's rarely wasted. Um, and you know it, it improves um, improves the capability and the capacity of the organisation. You know, governance isn't a luxury. It's not a tick box exercise. It's not something we have to do because you know you know the the, the government requires us to have a board, etc. These are you know, you know and the, certainly the boards I've worked with are highly effective, highly capable people. Um, adding real value to the whole organization and you know i reiterate something i said earlier you know they give their time for free so they're adding huge value at very very low cost um i think it's an important responsibility to to invest in creating a you know highly capable board with maximum capacity and and that requires investment in development i think it's absolutely essential I wish more organisations across the country invested uh, in developing uh, governance and uh, leadership at the governance level. And, and, you know, certainly we've seen some spectacular failures in governance uh, over the years. I'm not going to cite any uh, companies or organisations out there, um, but there have been some spectacular failings. And, you know, one wonders how those might have been addressed had there been better uh, building of knowledge, building of skills, uh, and and mindset of of the directors or governors of those respective organisations. Yeah, I've always been of the thought that an investment in governance is an investment in students. So, well, sadly, we're nearly out of time, Gary. Is is there any key message that you'd like to leave our listeners with today regarding board development? Yeah, well, thank. First of all, thanks for the opportunity to to join you today. I hope there's been uh, something of, of, of interest um, for, for listeners uh, here today. Um, I guess my final thoughts, I, I've mentioned cybersecurity out there. You know, if, if your board, if you're listening to this and your board is not talking about cybersecurity as a very high impact, very high likelihood risk, then I, I would strongly encourage you to do, to, to do so if you're, if you're listening I think, you know, it has to be more than questions like, have we got insurance in place? I think we need to be asking ourselves, what what does that insurance protect? You know, how well covered are we? 
do we know how to deploy it? You know, how well are we protected out of ours? Uh, rather than just getting sort of fairly basic assurances, I think this is an area where really understanding the mitigations to the organization is incredibly important. And then, you know, a bit of a plug for the Institute of Directors who work you know, closely with the further education uh, sector and have been running in partnership a program with the Education and Training Foundation. You know, the having recently completed the Chartered Director Program, um, which is a, a level seven qualification. So it's, you know, it's a serious qualification um, from the only organization in the world with a royal charter to deliver governance, education and training. Um, I know firsthand that it's absolutely first first class um, quality. Um, and I would just highly recommend it to anyone. Um, you know, it's, it is a complex world um, being a governor of a further education board. And so, you know, we deal with complexity by building, you know, our education, our knowledge, our skills and our mindset. So, you know, there, there will be other forms of governance training out there, no, no, no doubt. And I'm sure they're all uh, equally uh, or very good va- va- value. But having experienced the Institute of Directors, I would highly commend that to it to anyone. Well, thank you, Gary. And thank you for joining us on the Governance for FE podcast and sharing your insights into the importance of board education. Thank you. My pleasure. Thank you for joining us on the Governance for FE podcast. Visit our website, governanceforfe.co.uk, where you can find all the podcast episodes and a whole lot more information on governance in the FE and skills sector. This podcast was sponsored by the Skills and Education Group. Information on their qualifications, funding opportunities, professional development programmes and initiatives in support of teaching, learning and assessment can be found on their website at skillsandeducationgroup.co.uk.